Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Today's reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn any more. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament reading this morning comes from the 24th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. Listen for a word of God. But about that day and that hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let the house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. This is the deep time, when dark and cold have their way, when earth turns toward the longest night and seems to warn, hunker down, hold fast, sleep tight. But deep calls to deep, and the darkness itself beckons. Now is the time. Go long, go far, go on. To awaken is to go deeper, to follow the truth where it leads, to let go of the surface long enough to live toward the limits to leave the shallows and risk immersion, to push back 
the perimeters of darkness in the sacred name of light. Out of the depths we cry, O Lord, from the depths of us to the deep of you. Hear our prayer. This morning we lit the Advent candle of hope. There are three more feel-good candles coming, spanning the weeks of the season, peace, joy, and love. If we stay at the level of their familiar comfort, we'll follow the light from those four little flames as they light the way to another familiar Christmas. We need a little Christmas, as the song from the musical Mame correctly states. And if we miss the opportunity that this deep, demanding season offers, then my worry is that a little Christmas is what we'll get. If, on the other hand, we go looking for the light of the hope that lies beneath and within all our hopes, the hope that Jesus urges us to awaken to, to prepare for, to be changed by. Then the search may take us toward a new heaven and a new earth. The prophet Isaiah promises that that way leads toward the mountain of the house of the Lord via the high road at last, which all the nations shall take to the place, he says, where they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. How on earth do we get there from where we are? This deep season falls in the midst of deep times. As it drew nearer, I started asking some of my preacher friends what they expected to find themselves having to say during Advent. What truths have to be told these days as we contemplate this journey? It didn't take long for a rumble of sobriety to set in. My friend Ted Wardlaw, president of Austin Presbyterian Seminary, wrote that not very many years ago, our task as preachers would have been to invite people to consider something that we mainstreamers don't think about very often, the whole idea of living with a sense of temporal urgency. But Ted says, and I think he's right, that one measure of how much the world has turned between a short time ago and this time right now, is that few among us now have a hard time anymore summoning a sense of temporal urgency. As the United Nations calibrates the almost weekly narrowing of our opportunity to salvage the climate of this planet, and as the gap widens between the unimaginable wealth of a few and the poverty of unimaginably many. And as the ethical guardrails that used to guide our civic life are corroded by acrimony, and as the voices of white supremacy enjoy amplified influence in our society. As the world turns toward the long night, 
The depths from which we cry out this Advent are as deep as most of us, many of us, can remember them ever being. If the first candle of Advent is the candle of hope, that must be because the first truth of Advent that needs telling is that there is despair that craves an antidote and that it is real and deep. If in Advent we practice believing that something new is beginning, even though we cannot know when it will finish coming, then the deep of Advent is also a time to acknowledge that the powers seem to be fighting the new thing that God is doing with everything they've got. Advent is our talisman, our shield and buckler, the spiritual practice by which we would push back the edge of the cold darkness. If, as my friend Ted writes, for most of our lifetimes we've had the luxury of keeping urgency at arm's length, it seems we have finally outlived that luxury. Urgency is before us now. This is the deep time when dark and cold have their way and the turning of the earth seems to warn, hunker down, hold fast, sleep tight. But deep calls to deep and the darkness itself beckons. Now is the time. Go long, go far, go on. The texts that meet us today at the edge of this season plunge us quickly into a sense that the stakes are high and the winds of change are picking up. The new church year immediately stands that old oversimplification about the Old and New Testaments on its head. The old is supposed to be where the harshness of God is to be found, while in the new, God is gentle and forgiving. But here's the prophet Isaiah as one who envisions the nations walking peacefully together at last in the light of the Lord. While Jesus promises that the day of the Lord will come without warning like Noah's flood or like a thief breaking and entering. About that day and hour no one knows, Jesus says. Neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Not even the Son knows, not even Jesus himself knows. Keep awake, therefore, he says, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Jesus was surrounded by urgencies in the world in which he lived. Volatile governments that took corruption for granted, squandered their resources on ill-conceived wars, and saw the poor as a nuisance, an obstacle, or a means to an end. All of which made daily life a test of endurance for most people. And so all this talk of an end coming is perhaps a blessing to those for whom suffering and oppression are daily bread. We should think a little bit about what it might mean to keep awake in such times. To awaken is to go deeper, 
to follow the truth where it leads, to let go of the surface long enough to live toward the limits, to leave the shallows and risk immersion, to push back the perimeter of darkness in the sacred name of light. Awakening means paying attention to what might be in a world that's trying so hard to lull us to sleep in the midst of how it is, how it just is. Awakening means watching for every opening that might let some light in, every blow that might change the shape of a sword in the direction of a plowshare. Awakening means choosing to live on the edge of possibility, the edge of Advent, because though we are not expected to know the timing of how it will all happen or understand how the struggle will all play out, we are expected to do something, to be ready, to live as though the breakthrough could come at any minute and to be playing on the right team when the time comes. Awakening means being ready to answer in any moment when deep calls to deep. Deep despair may seem too dire a way to describe the clarity to which the coming of Advent summons us this morning after a holiday that surrounded most of us with familiar warmth and blessing. We may not feel that we need a candle of hope to burn quite that brightly. But its light needs to go deep because what it's up against is real and because we know with increasing urgency that things can't stay the way they are. The planet isn't going to stop warming Housing and health care are not just going to get less expensive. Anger is not going to simply evaporate into a better civic mood. Materialism is not simply going to deconstruct itself just because we'd like things better that way. Deep hope doesn't erase despair. It looks it in the eye. If you've seen the new film about Mr. Rogers, you know exactly what I mean. Mr. Rogers names the hard things, divorce, anger, hospitals, death. And then, if you see the film, you won't ever forget this. He just looks them in the eye across the table in a Chinese restaurant, looks back across the table at them with more fierce gentleness than you ever thought a minute of silence could hold. That gaze, that kind of awakeness, shines a light on all those things that at first seems no bigger than that. When Jesus began his sober conversations with the disciples to urge them to wake up to the signs of deep calling to deep, he referred to them as 
birth pangs. They wanted to know when. He said, stay awake. Maybe, as the Sikh activist Valerie Kaur says, this darkness at Advent is not the darkness of the tomb, after all, but the darkness of the womb. Maybe there is birthing in progress. If so, says Valerie Kaur, then the thing to do, of course, is to breathe through it. Maybe the voice that's whispering in our ear, you are brave, you can do this. Maybe that's the voice of Jesus in Advent. Maybe as we breathe through the pangs, we should expect that soon will come the next instruction. Push. This is the deep time, and the darkness itself beckons. Now is the time. Go long, go far, go on. To awaken is to go deeper, to follow the truth where it leads, to turn from the shallows and risk immersion, to push back the perimeter of darkness, in the sacred name of light. Deep is calling unto deep. O Lord, we hear your prayer. Amen. And so with one voice, we bind together all our prayers with the words you yourself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.